This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Do you feel like the Bruins did all they could do to retain Tyler Bertuzzi? He signs for one year, five and a half in Toronto. Um, The Bruins probably could have afforded that, right, Scott? But they wouldn't be able to afford a couple of other pieces in place that they want to sign eventually. Bergeron maybe or... Swayman, like a couple of things like that. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think if, if Don Sweeney had gotten any indication that a one year, five and a half million dollar deal was on the table and an option, I think Tyler Bertuzzi might still be a Bruin. I think for starters, I think Bertuzzi and his camp completely misread the market. And uh, Greg Wyshynski of ESPN had a report pretty much along these lines. I actually, talked to Bertuzzi's agent and his agent said there were some multi-year deals on the table, but none of the ones from contenders were for the money they were looking for. So they ended up settling for this and it'll hit the market again next year, which it, it sounds to me like the Bruins were interested in Bertuzzi on a shorter term deal. And we're basically told he's not signing a short term deal. It's going to have to be more years. And that seemed to be everyone's understanding and everyone's expectation. And then obviously it didn't happen. So I'm surprised that the shorter term option wasn't on the table for Bertuzzi to start, like in terms of from his side, because everyone knew the market sucked this year. Everyone knew there just weren't going to be a lot of teams who could offer big money free agent deals. So I'm a little surprised that, you know, potentially just signing for one year and hitting the market again next year at age 29, like what, you know, wasn't at least on the table and seemed to almost end up being last resort once they realized that the deal they wanted wasn't out there. Um, From the Bruins perspective, you could, if you want to, you could absolutely criticize them for not waiting it out and seeing um, and potentially circling back if Bertuzzi didn't find the deal he wanted. But that really hasn't been Sweeney's MO. Like his, usually his approach to free agency is he gets answers from his own guys before they even hit the open market. 
Then he identifies his targets and he moves quickly and signs them. That's how it's been way more often than not. Usually the, you know, 95% of his moves are done by the end of day one of free agency. Um, So I think the last thing they had gotten from Bertuzzi and, and his agent was, nope, we think there's a longer term deal out there and that's what we're looking for. And sorry, we're not interested in two or three years. Um, so the Bruins went in a different direction. They identified the guys they wanted and they signed them on day one. They, they still could have signed Bertuzzi on Sunday because, I, I mean, for starters, it actually wouldn't put them over the cap. But then even if they get their restricted free agent deals done, as I've mentioned before, you can go 10% over the cap during the off season. You just have to be under it by opening night. Like, Toronto right now is $5 million over the cap. So everyone knows they now have to move salary out somewhere. Um, you know, so they could have done that, but obviously they didn't, they didn't want to. They had already made, made their other plans and moved on and gone in a different direction. So looking at the division right now, how do you feel the Bruins stack up? Because of course, Bertuzzi goes to Toronto. Um, now Toronto loses Ryan O'Reilly to Nashville, but he was a deadline acquisition for them. So he wasn't a major part of their team prior to, but so they get Bertuzzi, they bring in Ryan Reeves. So Toronto, you know, they, they got that playoff win under their belt last year, but you know, they lose Michael Bunting, but you know, I think they got a little grittier. Um, so Toronto, I mean, Toronto is still a top three team in the division, right? Tampa's Tampa's going to Tampa, you know, they're going to fluctuate a little bit year to year, just based off of how elite they are but they're always a threat to be a top three team. Florida just beat you in the playoffs and I don't think they're necessarily getting any worse. Right. So, you know, Buffalo, as we talked about, just missed the playoffs this past year. I mean, the Bruins had a great roster this year and Buffalo gave them some good games. Uh, They're on the rise. So I would say, you know, Ottawa's getting better Detroit. I mean, I just feel like the Bruins because, because with the current playoff format, the easiest way to make the playoffs is through your division. I would say Scott, you know, they, they, I don't think it's. I think the Bruins might be the fourth or fifth best team on paper in, in the division right now, and I don't think that's a stretch. Um, so they're gonna have their work cut out for them for sure. But just how do you feel? How do you, how do you feel the Bruins stack up with Toronto's additions and and just what what the rest of the teams in the in the division are doing uh, over free agency? Yeah, I'd probably put Toronto and Florida one two. Um, I do feel like Toronto's operated pretty well as a team that didn't have a lot of cap space either. Like I said, you know, now we're going to have to see what they move out because they are $5 million over. And now everyone knows they're $5 million over and knows they have to dump someone, um, whether it's now or before opening night. Uh, yeah. Tampa lost Kalorn. Um, you know, I think they, they might lose Tanner Janot, who's a restricted free agent. Um, so Ross I don't know Bolton that they're necessarily too, right? on, on their way up, but there's still enough there that you like that team. Florida is interesting. Like I, I did not like what Florida did on defense. That's actually a team in a spot where I feel like it clearly should have been quantity over quality where they sign all the, you know, Nico Mikola for two and a half million, Oliver Ekman Larson, 2.25 Mike Riley for a million, Dmitry Kalikov for a million. And I'm like, 
all right, so they have a bunch of guys on defense now, but I'm not sure any of those actually represent like a clear, meaningful upgrade to that defense, which was, you know, clearly I think the one area that they needed to address and, and kind of got exposed against Vegas. And they signed, they signed four guys, but I'm like, to me, they should have just been trying to pour all that into like a real legitimate top four defenseman or, or top pairing guy. So I didn't love that. But other than that, like that's still a really strong team. Um, I like adding Evan Rodriguez up front. I've always liked him as a player, obviously uh, another BU guy, but um, so yeah, I would definitely have them ahead. Florida and Toronto ahead of the Bruins, probably Tampa as well. Um, they didn't lose as much as the Bruins did. And yeah, after that, like the teams below them, it's going to be interesting. Uh, Buffalo, Detroit, Ottawa, I think all across the league, like you, you can see the flat cap or, you know, $1 million going up, bringing the league closer together where, you know, some of those teams at the bottom are, were just like throwing around money and it's like, well, I don't know, maybe they can make a playoff push. Like maybe they actually did add enough. Um, so it's going to be closer. It's not going to be as much of like a clear separation of the top four versus the bottom four, but I think I would still probably have the Bruins fourth, which puts them, you know, into the wild card race. Um, it's tough. Like that, that's where I see them right now. It's like a team that's going to be right on that playoff bubble battling for a spot all year is kind of how I see the season going for them. I mean, I would say they're, their defense and their goaltending is probably still top in the division, I would say. Um, defensemen one through six, both goaltenders. It just goes to illustrate, like, you know, yeah, their shortcomings are up, up the middle right now. And so if Bergeron comes back, I think I think maybe they're, you know, they, they should be in those top three, maybe. But it's close. Um so, so we'll see, Scott. It's definitely been it's definitely been an interesting uh, couple of days here. If you're Don Sweeney, just another before we head we head to the draft a little bit, but are you still trying to, if it presents itself and it's a, and it works for both 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 teams, mainly the Bruins, but are you still trying to move one of the goalies? And I don't know if there's any validity to this. Was there a story out there about Swayman? potentially wanting to maybe be playing closer to home, potentially. I know he's from Alaska, but um, there might be some personal issues. If there's no validity to that story, then we won't even discuss it because I don't want to bring up anything that's worth – that's I, not merited. But Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't heard that from anything legitimate. And, in fact, like all I have heard is that he wants to stay in Boston and be a Bruin for a long time. So, okay. um, yes, yeah, as, as far as training goal yeah, – I if I were Sweeney, I wouldn't necessarily be trying to trade a goalie, but I would certainly remain open-minded about it and continue to poke around the market and see what's out there. Um, and if you find the right deal, if you know, I don't know, if if there's a team out there that thought they were going to find a goalie in free agency, or maybe they were in on Hellebuck, or you know, Corpusalo, or whoever, you know, maybe they thought they were finding a goalie elsewhere, and now. Perhaps they pivot, they get a little desperate, and they say, you know, hey, we will give you 
a first round pick for Olmark or whatever it might be. Um, I would remain open to that if I'm Don Sweeney, but I certainly wouldn't be uh, like going out of my way to try to move them or feel like I have to, or, you know, settle for an underwhelming return. If, if the trade's not out there, the trade's not out there. And to me, then you, you hang on to both of them and they help you make the playoffs. You hope it's, you know, it's probably not going to be as historically great as the goaltending was last year in part because the team in front of them won't be as good either, but it should still be a tandem that wins you a lot of games in the regular season and keeps you in a lot of games and helps you uh, potentially make the playoffs and, you know, see where you are there. Yeah. I think he definitely was probably looking at that before the draft. And I'd be surprised if, you know, I'm sure he didn't get an offer that he was comfortable with, but I have to imagine that somebody maybe would have a first round pick this year and next would have been on the table from somebody, but, but maybe not. I, I guarantee he was trying to get something done with maybe, maybe all Mark around, around the, uh, the draft. I mean, I, I think he even said, I mean, he was asked about it and I, and I think he didn't say he was trying to, but I think he, the undertone was like, he's, he's been working the phones on anything really. I think he may have been specifically asked about the goaltending and he may have, I mean, do you, do you have any, uh, yeah, I mean, he said like it was an interesting market for goalies is how he, how he phrased it. And again, I, I just think trade wise, a lot of teams are finding out that like what they thought might be out there just isn't. And again, I think that Winnipeg found that out too. Like when you see their GM now saying, Hey, you know, we're excited to have Shifley and Hellebuck and they're big parts of our team moving forward. It's like, well, they were clearly on the trade block. So it's pretty obvious. You just haven't found a deal you like. And, you know, so it feels like they didn't find fair value for Hellebuck. Bruins haven't found fair value for Elmark. If he is, if he has been on, on the trade block. And, um, you know, I think combination of teams, don't have the cap space to to bring someone in. Don't want to give up the assets. Think maybe they can just piece it together like Vegas did, and that winds up in a in a market where you know no one, at least to this point, no one has been desperate enough to either blow away the Bruins or or Winnipeg. So if that's the case, then then maybe things will be quiet for a little while, Scott. But um, I mean, I I definitely, I guess if you could describe your, your feelings from just the free agent additions and subtractions overall, is it just one of those things where you just kind of have to see it to see how it plays out? Were you, are you happy with the moves they made interested? You're like just indifferent. Uh, I think maybe like general disappointment, just knowing the team is not going to be nearly as good as last year. Like, you know, selfishly covering last year's team was a ton of fun. Like whether it was here on the podcast or writing about it, there was obviously a lot of interest. Um, And like, I, you know, I worry that like this team's not going to be as fun to watch. There won't be as much interest in them, Um, but we'll see. We'll see how it plays out again. Like all the signings they made just in and of themselves. I'm, I'm fine with like, I think, you know, I think Van Riemsdyk's still a pretty good player. I think Shattenkirk's still a pretty good player. I I like gambling on Geeky. I 
think Patrick Brown's solid as a fourth liner. Lucic, I don't mind bringing back at all. Like that, you know, I think he he could be good for the team as a leader and locker room presence. So all that stuff individually, I'm fine with, but it's just they lost a lot more than what they were able to bring in. Bring in. So, um, you know, it's a it's a little bit of a bummer. Like you try to kind of talk yourself into, you know, if this goes right and this goes right, they still end up being, you know, maybe a pretty good team. Um, you know, there's, there's enough to be excited about. Like, obviously, Hey, anytime you get to watch David Pasenak, a guy who just scored 60 goals, you're going to enjoy watching him. Charlie McAvoy is still one of the top defensemen in the league. Hampus Lindholm just finished fourth in Norris trophy voting. Like I like watching those guys good goaltending can keep you in a lot of games. So you can talk yourself into like a path towards being a playoff team, winning a lot of games or whatever, but just in terms of the, the talent level clearly like such a drop off from last year. So um, that's what makes me say like, it's just a little disappointing and it, and it was expected. We knew this team wasn't going to be as talented or as deep, but now, when you actually start like putting together the the depth chart, it's like, oof, that first run's not back. That that forward group leaves a lot to be desired. Yeah, and obviously, it was a disappointing finish to the playoffs last year. But two of the forwards that actually kind of played pretty well in that series against Florida are now gone in Hall and Bertuzzi, and so you know uh, they're going to have to. Yeah, there's definitely a talent drop off. Uh, I mean bringing in Bertuzzi last year and Orloff and adding them to this roster. And uh, yeah, it, it is, but you know what? Maybe there'll be different storylines. Maybe there'll be more, maybe Lucci to put somebody through the glass again. Um, <laughs> uh, maybe there'll be some, just some more ups and downs. And sometimes that creates better storylines too. I would argue Scott last year, it kind of got monotonous, all the winning. Like <laughs> how many times did we come on the podcast? with like another six game winning streak, which was great. It was fun to watch, but as far as talking points, it was just kind of like, well, let's just get to the playoffs and let's see if it translates. That was right. always the talking point. So maybe there'll be more to talk about because there'll just be more ebbs and flows. Yeah, and I will say, like, another thing that could definitely generate excitement and, and personally would get me excited is if some of the young guys do really push. Like, if we see a Georgie Merkulov push into make the opening night roster and, you know, maybe it's on the third line. If we see Fabian Lysel make a real push and show that, you know, hey, he had a really good summer and he might be ready. Like, that would be exciting too. So, the opportunity is definitely there for those guys. Again, I don't think any of the signings they made, even though you can now fill out a 12 man forward group with guys they've signed, like Patrick Brown and AJ Greer, like that, they're, they're not blocking a Merkelov or Lysel if those guys show that they're ready. Same with, you know, a Mark McLaughlin or Oscar Steen or even Johnny Beecher. Like, if those guys come into camp in preseason and, and outperform some of these older guys that, that are currently in those spots, I think those guys are going to get it. Like, I, you know, I don't think they would hesitate to say, sorry, Patrick Brown, you know, thanks for, for giving it your all, but we're moving on, we're going younger. Like, I, I absolutely think those jobs are there for the taking, and that could could create some excitement if those guys, you know, win them or – or really make strong pushes. So speaking of going younger, I think one last thing we'll touch on before we sign off is uh, the NHL draft that took place. It was last week 
last week. Um, the Bruins didn't have their first pick until pick number 92. So we're not going to sit here and, and and discuss each player and, and you know, their, their skill sets and their attributes and what they may or may not be just because we'll, we'll have to watch them in, in Providence and through rookie camps, but we're not going to, we're not going to do that right now, but in general, we can talk about what the Bruins uh, draft approach was Scott. And clearly they were, they were addressing center ice. Yeah. They're addressing center and they were targeting size. I mean, first three picks for the second year in a row, the first three picks were all centers, Christopher Pelosi, uh, Beckett Hendrickson and Ryan Walsh. Um, Hendrickson might end up projecting more as a winger, but either way, um, you know, they, they're going middle of the ice and then everyone they drafted was six foot one or taller. Uh, the one defenseman they drafted in the seventh round, Christian Kostadinsky, six foot five, which I think it's now like the last seven defensemen they've drafted have all been six feet or taller. So clearly they now have this mold that they're targeting and they've continued to draft at the center position. So, you know, I think reading up on these guys, like the Fords, especially all have some power forward traits. So, um, you know, as they continue to stress getting to inside ice and net front and all that stuff, like these look like guys that if they pan out, which, anyone you're drafting in the third round or later is a huge if, and it's really just a dart throw. So, you know, realistically, like you're, you're hoping you hit on one of these, you open one of these guys ends up being an NHL regular for you. And that would, we would probably look back on that and be like, yep, that was about as good as you could do in 2023 with, without having a first and second round pick and, you know, anything more than that. Awesome. But either way, it's going to be a few years for, for all these guys. Yeah, and, and when I mentioned that it's pick 92 was their first pick, I'm not discounting picks later in the draft because if you look at the Bruins championship team, you had you had Bergeron, Krejci, Marshan, Lucic. Those guys were at the center of it, and neither one of them were a first-round pick. Um, you look at Tampa Bay's teams over the last you know handful of years, their championship teams. I mean, they had a ton of guys that were playing big minutes that were not – I mean, yeah, there was, there was Stamkos and Hedman. Those guys were high draft picks, but Braden Point – uh, Palat, Kalorn, Kucherov. I mean, uh, Sorelli. Like, there were a ton of guys on Tampa Bay that they drafted outside the first round that were integral to their championship team. So, the, the later rounds are they very much matter, and you can you can certainly find championship caliber players as it as it turns out. It's just tough to see the forest of the trees right now because we just don't you know. But um, definitely, they're prioritizing center and size as you know. Maybe they should be. Um, so we'll see how that pans out. Was there any other closing thoughts on the draft or free agency, Scott, you wanted to go over? I don't think so. I think I'm good. All right. Well, if that's the case, then hopefully everybody has a happy and safe 4th of July weekend. I, the one last thing I'll mention is that we do have rookie camp this week, and I'll be there for most, if not all of it, but that starts Monday at, at Warrior. Monday at Warrior. Okay. So the day before the 4th. Yep. All right. So try not to bring – too many beers into the into the ring, Scott. Okay, I'm, I'm um, bringing my portable grill. There you go. Your George <laughs> Foreman up in the stands there. Um, all right. So yeah, everybody enjoy the holiday weekend, and thank you all for listening. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.